Hey, over here. You look like a person of <clears throat> distinctive tastes. Well, you've come to the right place. Follow me through this alley. To the wrong side of the tracks. Through this sewer pipe. And around, and around the bend. The bend. The sleazy, slimy world called the funny, the funny book, book underbelly. underbelly. Hello, and welcome to the funny book underbelly number four. I think we're at number four already. I'm four! Just... <laughs> nice. I'm here with Johnny Bueno, and I'm Chris Honeywell. How's your levels doing now? Hey, everybody. How you doing? Johnny Bueno's on his brand new microphone. Oh, yeah. Hopefully we'll, uh, well, work in progress. Work in progress. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Well, you, you get to hear everybody's voice evolve as they go from, like, their computer microphone to a, to a headset <laughs> and then eventually to a microphone sitting there, like, in a, in a radio station. Well, you know, you like, were a big time. You were a big time DJ at one time, so you know, you know the, you know how the setup goes. Yes, I have just gone from a larvae to now they poopa stage. Except now, gross. <laughs> now they, now they call it mute in in radio radio jargon. It was the cough button. You had the cough button in case you, you had to just cut your mic for a second. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about Peter Bag, the great P Bag, underground comic book, semi-overground comic book artist galore. But we'll get to that in a minute. Yes, true believers. That is how you pronounce it, even though it's spelled B-A-G-G-E. I was just gonna say because I've heard people say baggy too, but I like I like Peter Bag because it's P Bag. It just sounds rude. P Bag, Peter Bag. Well, I believe he actually. Uh, wrote about it in one of his one of his mailbags and neat stuff. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Well, that would make sense that they would call it the mailbag too. Mailbag, get it, get it. <laughs> oh, I got it. But, but before we get to that, let's. Uh, well, you got any new uh, new underground funny books? I know you I've do. Always, I always do. But um, the one that I got, one I've been most excited about, well, there's two of them that I've been looking forward to for a long time. And uh, the first is uh, the last Harvey Picar book, Cleveland. Oh. I just, got, I just got that in the mail. And uh, it's sweet. 120 pages, hardcover, um, illustrated by Joseph Remnant. Um Looks like classic, classic Picar art. That's for sure. Um, I'm not familiar with him, um, uh, but he's he's does a lot of stuff with Smith Magazine, and um, which is one of the last things that Picar was doing, and then um, juxtaposed as well. So I mean, the guy is really good. And what's really cool is is uh, Alan Moore does the intro. Oh, and, cool. Uh, you know. Yeah, you don't. I don't know. I I haven't read too many intros by Alan Moore, but he, he essentially 
handed the crown to Harvey Picar as being the greatest autobiographical pioneer comic book writer of all times. He puts him in the like the pantheon of, of comic book writers, which I thought was quite a testament coming from Alan Moore. Yeah, and yeah, and you know, it's it's weird because he always seemed Harvey Picar always had that sort of um, feeling of being an outsider even to comics being an outsider to everything he was basically but you know i mean he he always did his comic you know when he would talk about him in his comics or whenever it was always sort of like well i just write down my thoughts and people like to make them into comics you know and it doesn't sound like he wrote them necessarily even to be comics but that i i think that's there's a lot of autobiographical underground independent comic writers and i don't know if harvey p Carr was the you know the first i'm sure he wasn't the first but i would definitely have to say he's the best and if he's not the best the only guy who's really got any sort of bragging rights to be in the same realm is um oh um what was his name he did um real stuff oh icorn icorn dennis icorn yeah because and Dennis Eichhorn did write it was it was a very similar thing except Dennis Eichhorn was a very different personality than like almost like the diametric opposite personality type of Harvey Picard. Well that was exactly it about Picard is that everything about his life was so boringly normal and yet you know I think Alan Moore wrote it he he really kind of hit it where he was saying that with 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 Harvey and what he wrote, even though it was autobiographical, the story was never about him. It was all the stuff that was going on around him and how, it, you know what I mean? Well, that's what that's what gave, you know, I mean, basically he could have whole comics where it was just sort of like conversations. With, and he worked as a like file clerk in like the right. county clerk building or something for forever. Yep. And like, you know, you would have these whole comic strips that would be just a, a mundane conversation he's having with a coworker, but it was the way he saw it and what he, you know, I, I don't want to say read into it or, you know, interpreted of the, the, the scene and the small interpersonal communications between people that make it. And, and the thing about it is what, what made it great is, you know, he had so many different people and even, and as he went along and gained fans, that were drawing for him. So there was never really like, you know, an artist that you could say everybody got their crack at doing a Harvey P car story, you know, at one time or another. So it was always these different styles and he could use different artists for different kinds of stories. Exactly. But, but and, and but they all he, had to communicate whatever it was that he was, you know, saying in his, his little story. I mean, he was a celebrity. I mean, anytime, you know, anybody with any sort of hipness that go to Cleveland, I was uh, flipping through the old infernets the other day and came across Harvey Picar on the Anthony Bourdain television show, No mm -hmm. Reservations. Well, I just, just for all the hipsters out there, because anybody who, who's interested in Harvey Picar, you know, first of all, you should read his comics. There's a million American Splendor comics. You can go out there and get them. They're collected versions or or whatever you can find them all over the place 
or and also watch the movie American Splendor. Um, right, which is you, Paul Giamatti is is awesome <laughs> in that, and uh, and uh, you know to to sort of get an idea of 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 what you're dealing with, you know, <laughs> with <laughs> but but just to get our hipster bragging rights of you know because once the movie came out all of a sudden everybody knew about harvey p Carr. his big claim to fame before that with, with like america in general is he would get on letterman and be a grouch at letterman and just basically <laughs> tell him off every time he got on there. hi welcome back to the Dave, program just, harvey wait a minute, p Carr wait a minute, Dave, is with us tomorrow Dave, I got peter Slarry will Forget be here and herpetologist Scalari. jack cover that he's from the Dave, national aquarium in baltimore I, Ooh, I, we're having yeah, trouble with gnats yeah, again they're swarming me paul get me some off will you counterpoint yes harvey Listen, Dave, I, I noticed you looking at that, that one story. I hope you look at that. That's the, the GE show. You remember that? That was, that was a real memorable moment in TV. I enjoyed it. Did you? Right. Anyway, I wanted to ask you, you know, like, uh, ah, listen, we're getting into it, Dave. Just keep me on for another 10 minutes. Anyway, I wanted to ask you why I'm just, on that I'm just night. just praying Dave, for a terrorist. Dave, Dave, Dave. Do we have any, any kind, of, uh, any kind of dissident in the audience who can? This is your house. Can you see one with a weapon who could just... Uh... This is your house, Dave. You should treat me well. You've got this delusion that this is your house. Why don't you treat me well? Be a nice host, you know? You think you own the RCA building? Treat me well, Dave. Anyway, I, I'm serious. I wanted to ask you why, when I started to talk about... Is Harvey's nurse in the green room? Dave, come on. It may be time for the medication. See if it isn't time. You're a cop out, man. Oh, wait a minute. I want to ask you, man, why Let me show you something. Watch this. Watch this, Herbert. Wait a minute. Why? Why you defended G? That was really, I thought that was really dumb because, you know, it made you look like a shield for G. And I was really surprised to hear you do that. I, you know, I'd like. First of all, first of all, Harvey, what you're saying is not true. Second of all, this is not it the is, place to say it. No. And if you well, want to continue if talking I, about look, this, Dave, go somewhere here. else because look, Dave, we're not going to talk I'm, about it on the Dave, show. I signed, Harvey, one, I signed the Harvey, Harvey, one, no, no, Harvey, Harvey, no, no, Harvey, one, you're TV, wrong. By the way. What you're saying is well, yeah, wrong. I said you looked like. I didn't what say you're saying you is wrong, Harvey. Here's your, here's your so if, I said it looked like you were shit. That's why I don't understand because you wanted laughs that night and I got you your laughs. See, I had a plan. I figured if oh, I Harvey, you've never rent. planned anything in your life. Oh, no, that's pretty wrong. What, what did you that's plan, your wardrobe? Dave, <laughs> Dave, look. Yeah, I planned it. It's color coordinated. Yes, I'm wearing is. a pair of $75 yeah. shoes, and I'm very hurt because you didn't, you know, compliment me on it. These are the Rockport Walkers. Dave, these are in. Well, those Aren't are very nice. Huh? Yeah, those are nice. All right, Dave. To get this those free with your subscription well, to Field worry, and Stream. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, Dave. I won't come back unless you really ask. No, you're not coming back yeah, at all, Harvey, all right. because I we've given care. no, no, we've given that's... you many, many chances to come on this oh. show and talk about things that we thought would Dave, be of general a, interest to I people, and also for... to promote your little Mickey Mouse magazine Look, here, Dave, your little your little newsletter, your little clubhouse uh, Dave, uh, fun and rainy day fun for boys and girls, your little weekly that, reader Dave. deal here, Dave, you and you've blown every single chance you've had, Harvey. Every single chance. So what? Coming back. Dave, I was a file clerk. You're a dork, you. Harvey. Relax. I was a file clerk. I was a file clerk before I knew you. I'll be a file clerk after. And you now, I'd like to God. apologize to Cleveland now. So it's Pittsburgh and Cleveland. You have my deepest, most heartfelt apologies. Oh, now that's.
Oh my god. And they were classic. They were classic. Oh my god. Because Letterman was like, ho oh, ho, that was fun. And Picard was like, fuck that guy, man. What a fucking phony asshole. I'm going to call him a phony asshole on air and point at his nose, you know? And so he would get called back on Letterman to grouse him out, you know, every time. But it wasn't a shtick. That was Harvey Picard. That was a real thing. But. Yeah, there was sometimes. Sometimes. Just want to say, Johnny Bueno and I were into Harvey Picard before that movie came out. And even before us, our, and she'll get brought up again in this episode because there's another connection later on. Uh, our mutual friend Susie actually stayed at Harvey Picard's house at one point in, um, oh, it had to be the early 90s, something like that. Yeah, it helps to be cute. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't think it was, you know, the thing about Harvey Picard is I don't think it was like, for one thing, he was married to his wife and he and his wife were seemed real. You know, she was she was just an equally strong personality as him. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, that's how they ended up adopting their daughter was the same sort of thing. You know? Yeah. I mean, and, and it sounds like she and Susie, you know, got on really well. But, you know, that was that was just sort of, the, you know, that's the. He was a kind of, you know, he lived in a crappy apartment in, in Cleveland, you know. So, right. you know, it, it was, that's the thing about underground comics people is it's not like approaching a big celebrity, you know. So anyways, the second comic book I was going to talk about, I haven't even a chance really to, to read it yet. Uh, it's, I'm very excited. It's an uh, underground comic called Detour by Ed Brubaker. And I believe it's a one shot Ed Brubaker, ye of uh, uh, current uh, Captain America fame, as well as Daredevil and all sorts of other ones. But yes, he was an underground comic book artist and uh, writer. Um, was there a 70s movie called Brubaker too? like some like Paul Newman or something movie like a prison mm. break movie? Mm, I, I'm not sure if it was Brubaker. I just, but I know what you're talking about. It I used just, to be on early HBO all the time. Yes, Brubaker. Robert Redford. Brubaker. So that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Oh, Moonraker. You're thinking well, Moonraker. No, Moonraker is James Bond. No, this was like a prison right. movie. And there was some somebody named Brubaker who had to break out of a prison who was a good guy. So, but I got that I got that comic and a whole bunch of others. Uh, do it. Do, uh, do you give shameless plugs here about comic shops at all? Oh yeah, go for it. Um, uh, Million Year Picnic. If you've never heard of them or never been, and you're in the uh, New England or Boston area, highly recommended. It is the spot to go to as far as anybody I talked to for underground comics, and I actually got to hang out and meet the uh, proprietor of the fine establishment. Finally, is really nice guy. We got and, at least one listener in Boston, so. Yeah, no, but uh, yeah, he had a whole bunch. He still has a whole bunch of uh, early Robert Crumbs. I picked up uh, first edition of XYZ Comics finally, so that was, that was nice. Getting them fifty cent covers instead of the seventy five centers. I've got it's one like of the the collections of XYZ Comics. One of a, it's like a step up in class when you can get that first edition. You know what I uh -huh. mean? Uh huh. Uh huh. All that more mojo to it. Mojo. Mojo. 
Mojo. Mojo. Yes. So how about you? Well, you know what new underground comics I got, and I mentioned them in our Comics Monthly Monday in passing, but you know, so I could go into more depth in this show. But uh, uh, yeah, I now have finally own the Air Pirates funnies after hearing about them for over 30 years of my life and coveting them and never actually laying eyes on one. I've seen pictures of them and stuff like that or never seen like what was inside of them. I finally gotten to read them and I've read all three of them now and they're, they were way better than I ever expected, which is great because usually it's a disappointment, you know, I, I love I love Dan O'Neill and almost anything I can find by him is always right. good. But oh, then by, I, by the way, he did have uh, sorry to interrupt. He did have that copy of Odd Bodkins oh, at, uh, at Million Year Picnic. Oh, I would have loved that. That's why I sent you that email, man. Uh. <laughs> so but then I heard then I knew there were other artists on it and I was like, oh, OK, so there'll be like one Dan O'Neill story in it. But everything in it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Crazy. It is creme de la creme. It's a, it's just a crazy deconstruction of old, you know, fun, old timey funny books, you know, like Disney yep. and, um, um, uh, crazy cat. And, uh, it's, you know, right down to the covers, you know, and the color schemes on the covers and the illustration style and the way they did the fake ads in it and everything. Anyway, the whole package of it is just perfect. It's And um, basically, basically, Air Pirates Funnies consists of Air Pirates Funnies 1, Air Pirates Funnies 2, and then the tortoise and the hare, which I think there was probably the tortoise and the hare due to legal (laughs) reasons after Air Pirates 2. Exactly. And uh, I I don't believe you saw Mickey Mouse turning up (laughs) in the same way and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> and, um, no, the but the ad there. on the back cover sure is a pretty had, funny parody. Has Donald Duck on it and Huey, right. Dewey, and Louie, and drawn in that like total Carl Barks, you know, classic Disney style too. And you know, it's the the, the comics that got Dan O'Neill in all sorts of trouble, and that's a whole long story. We'll probably do an episode just on that at some point. You know, it's such a great, and it's about copyright, which is one of my fun pet. And just to do a little copyright gloating and to get off the and and go way out of into normal comic book stage, I'm just so fucking happy that the Avengers has made a billion dollars, and it was on the internet, you know, before it was in America. Everybody still can have their bootleg copy of Avengers in the world, and it still made a billion dollars. So you suck on that, you know. So. Whenever they say piracy kills Hollywood, they can go pound salt up their ass. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's what they sure can do. How'd you like the movie, by the way? It was fucking awesome. Awesome. I know. It was, I wouldn't mind... Uh, I've seen it twice already. Yeah, I'm going to go see it another time, but I wouldn't mind being part of the... Uh, podcast, the True True Freaks podcast review. It's too late. Too late. <laughs> It's already be Scott's editing it right now. It was we did a short, um, we did a short a, a segment on it. The thing about it is, is it's like, it's so hard to review it because 
basically it's just gonna sound like everybody else just going that it's it's almost not it's almost reviewable proof it's more like you, you end up just going you know what part was awesome <laughs> when this <laughs> happened you know it, it oh yeah man. Uh, basically we've been issuing a challenge and and this might be a good opportunity well, i guess we'll do it again well, a good opportunity to issue it again um that if anybody really thought the movie sucked, I'd love to hear the arguments for it. <laughs> I'd love to hear somebody who was, come up with good reasons. It was, a little, reasons. Too long. It was yeah. a little too long. Yeah, but that's not that 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 wouldn't be a convincing argument to me for sucking. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean somebody who went to the movie and walked out of it going, "Really? Did we see the same movies? You know, everybody's crazy. They're going crazy over this piece of shit." I, I haven't, heard I haven't I met anybody think, yet. I don't think the 3D is needed for it. No, it, the 3D was not bad, and it didn't make give me a throbbing headache or annoy me, or, or yeah. it wasn't too dark, and it was fine. It was good, and it was neat in parts, but it doesn't. It doesn't. The movie itself is the experience, and I think this also mo- proves that 3D is nice, but meh, you know. Although when I saw the 3D for, and I, I've said this before and I'll say it again, for Prometheus, mm, 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 that looked good. <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely going to see that in 3D. Yeah, I would agree with that. But anyway, yeah, I love my, I love my, um, my Dan O'Neill comics. And now I find, and I have all the Dan O'Neill comics and stories now and the Air Pirates and now I can just start working on getting like the ephemera, you know, the collected odd bodkins and weird little side things that he's done. Oh, you need to get the uh, you need to get the newspaper. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they pop up once in a while. Yeah, you know, I'd have a much better chance if I probably lived in in California. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm, uh, our buddy Dan Vogel can get you a copy, I'm sure. I'm uh, sure for a price. I don't know if I'm in that that price range, though. I've, I've, I've checked them out <laughs> and gone, but that's, you know, you're not, you, it, 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 it doesn't hurt to dream because I always remember going, I'll never be able to afford uh, Air Pirates comic but well not a not, a, not a super nice copy you know i mean I those yeah. are the ones that are expensive you just want to read them mm-hmm. you know that was a big breakthrough for me back in the back in my 20s is like i don't need know, this to be mint <laughs> exactly i just want to read it with the indie comics that's even more so than the you know than the i i don't know i i like i said i like my undergrounds a bit beat up sometimes so they look like they've come through the 60s you know well (laughs) there's just a little more authenticity to show that they've actually been read and not just sealed well that's another thing about under like the the independent comics like when when they they're the there used to be indie indie comics just sort of you know when i would have like two or three roommates they would just get passed around the house, you know, they'd be on the coffee table and people would sit down and like read them, you know, so they, they're pawed through. So, and, uh, I remember Vargas Pike, our friend Vargas Pike always had a big pile of underground comics that, you know, had been read 18,000 million billion times by God knows how many stoners, you know, <laughs> at parties and stuff like that under, you know, not not under the usual comic book, you know, white gloves and forceps and uh, 
you know, acid acid free boards underneath and a and a light no. and a, no, a ultraviolet no. light ahead and humidity control going and your lab suit on and No, you're just lucky that if you don't uh find one that doesn't have some Dorito cheese on it. Exactly, or like crumbs <laughs> of weed from when someone was rolling a joint and I'm like old, you know, Oh, you know what I picked up today? Speaking of old stoner mu- music, I picked up the record, the Focus record with Hocus Pocus on it. Awesome. The original art rock masterpiece, Hocus Pocus by Focus. I can't remember which one, but about two years or so ago, I got a, I bought an underground comic on eBay, and I actually found uh, just the rolling paper stuck in there. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, like, all right. <laughs> Well, that was oh. back in the days when, like, Cheech and Chong were, like, making albums with giant rolling pit, you know. Right. The days of the rolling papers. But um, well, anyway. is there a certain time period for that? Is that what you're saying? Um, <laughs> well, now it's you know now it's I'm sure there's people using rolling papers now, but now we're in the 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 day of the blunt, I guess you would have to say the majority of people who are wrapping their pot in paper are wrapping it in not in paper but in blunts which are made out of tobacco flavored tobacco. Oh. Which I yeah kind I don't of a understand. Derivation like. From our neighbors of the north, eh? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. But that's beside the point. Ah, I guess it, it does it. Well, yeah. It goes into the funny book underground anyway. We can talk about joint smoking. <laughs> um, Peter Bag. Peter Bag. One of my all-time favorite. I agree. And the of first time. time that I knew about Peter Bag, no, actually, I knew about it before him. But the first time I got a true sense about how good he really was was when I was actually out in Seattle with you. And I don't know what the name of that store was, but obviously they had all the hates. That was what '96, I think. Yeah, that's where that's where I completed my hate collection. That's where right. I got all my back issues. That's and, where the one I'm holding in my hand right now came from there. Right, and you were uh, a complete pants tent or tent to pantalone, as they like mm-hmm. to say here in Boston. Mm-hmm. I got <laughs> uh, all my all my going to comic book store experiences on the west coast were jaw-droppingly awesome no that's why i want to go back i'm so badly want to go off to the pacific northwest again i'm sure there's so many little things that 
were just passed around neighborhoods and stuff like that in Portland and Seattle. That's awesome. Well, the great thing is a lot of the comics that I wanted were stuff that really was hard to get on the East Coast or, or to, you know, expensive to buy back issues of. But in Seattle and um, in San Francisco, they were like 50-cent bin stuff. I remember I got a lot of a lot of stuff, like, uh, in a few of the hates. It was in one of the comic shops we walked in, and they weren't even on the racks. They were in a cardboard box in the uh, like in the near the front door just sitting there and it's like you know oh yeah they're like a buck a piece you know a buck a piece or something like that and i'm like i'll go check this out and i'm just like and it well it's funny that i kind of did that a couple weeks ago with uh the fanographics bookstore a couple months ago i'm sure i just called them up and i was like i can't find them anywhere in the internet do you guys have any zero zeros lying around and he had about 15 of them. It was awesome. If so, any place was going to, that would be the place. There you go. So anyways, as far as uh, Peter Bag goes, yeah, I, was, I got a bit of a late start on, on, on Peter Bag, but I always had heard about him. And uh, I, the first Peter Bag comic I actually ever got was Hate Number 1, but it was a second print. I don't know when it was. Maybe 97? Probably mm-hmm. 96, 97. Yeah, that's when they started, like, really putting him back out. Yeah, putting him back. That was when he was starting to get... That was to- more towards the end of the run of Hate. And I was so proud of myself because I got it for 10 bucks, and I felt for sure that that was a good investment. And um, that's probably about what it's still worth these days. Yeah, it? it's not... It, it, even a first printing, I don't think, is that... No, it's not. Um, you know, but that, it's... But I mean, I mean the thing about Peter Bag and, and hate in general is just, you know, everyone wants to timestamp it as the comic book of the grunge age since it was put out by Fantagraphics out of Seattle and it was, you know, taking place in Seattle. In at Seattle, the time. right? But here's 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 the thing, and 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 um, well, well, I'll, I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, <laughs> I I first heard of Pete, Peter Bag back when. Um, when I was dating our, our mutual friend Susie and uh, she got a letter printed in neat stuff so you know she was just like you gotta see this they printed my letter in neat stuff and it was her basically saying you know the character of Martini Baton that's me <laughs> that's me exactly and then Peter Bag said something like that's really scary <laughs> and yeah. that was about it and I, she was I, and just you know like what? yes <laughs> I remember her bragging to me about it, and I remember her showing me the comic. Uh-huh. And I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like completely into the whole superhero thing at the time, but... Well, that's when I was first dating her, so I was like, I gotta read these comics to figure out what I'm getting into now. Right. So I read Martini, and she was not Martini Baton, because... It, no. Yeah, yeah, but, you know... Maybe yeah. a little girly girl. I, girly girls more, yes. <laughs> but um, and would that make you Chucky boy? Chucky boy, that's his name. <laughs> with the with the snail with a nose that looks like a curled up snail. Uh, you know what? Back in the early days, with the with the art that he did, the he had there's a lot of curly nose characters. <laughs> yes. He's, 
And now he only does it like once in a while when they're like they're really angry or something like that. Yeah, when it when he's going really wild, but right. <laughs> um, and then I, I got into those neat stuff, and and when I went to the next, the last the last time I went to Toronto, um, probably when Gad played there. So there you go, like, you know, probably like ninety seven, ninety eight, something like that. Um, I got a whole. It might have. It probably had to have been earlier than that. But I got a whole bunch of neat stuffs there. Like uh, once again, like in a fifty cent bin, and I and it was once again Chris pitching a tent in his pants, just like oh no, and everybody else going, "What are you getting so excited about?" It's like it's neat stuffs. (laughs) I tell you, there's such a great read. Mm -hmm. They're such a great read, and then it's. I'm kind of glad that I discovered them all after they were all out, because uh, you know once I once I sunk my teeth into them, I just couldn't stop, and I just kept on. They're a little harder. They're a little more expensive to get a hold of than hate comics these days. Well, sure, you know, because get... there wasn't as many of them. I mean, but at the same time, you can get pretty much everything that was ever in them in trade paperback form. They just took all the stories and would compile them into... Well, well, Hate was where, you know... I mean, he was doing yeah, a lot of... Every, everything has been reprinted. Even uh, 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 Chet and Bunny Leeway, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, you know. They just... Whatever was left, I think they put into a trade as well. Right, right. And, you know, I think before that, he was doing, like, mini, you know, his mini-comics, and he was doing... He did a lot of illustration work for stuff like um, Screw Magazine and Hustler and stuff like that. Right, and, and then uh, all the Bat Boy stuff. Well, Bat Boy was later on, but that was, yeah, that was awesome. He actually drew the Bat Boy comic for the Weekly World News and had Bat Boy meeting everybody, like teaming up with Condoleezza Rice and basically just anybody he could think of in the media. He had Bat Boy running into him. It was awesome. That's one I didn't get a chance to dig out and go through. I wish I did. There's a collected Bat Boy. He was he was yeah, putting I, a I, lot of them. Yeah, I'm saying in... I, I have it. I just haven't. Oh. Had t- I didn't get a chance for this this one to. They were thumb putting through. a they were putting a lot of them in the hate annuals that have been coming out every once once a year for a couple of those years. There would be a bunch of Bat Boys, but yep. Uh, I I had the chance. And I actually had three hundred dollars. It was like three hundred, three hundred fifty dollars at the time, and I didn't buy it. But the um, it was like three hundred fifty dollars for the original artwork for the first Bat Boy strip was on eBay. And uh, and I watched it, and they kept putting the auction up, and I watched it, and I watched it. And I'm like, ah, oh, nobody will buy it. I I should get that eventually. And and I'm thinking to myself. I can't spend $300 on something like that unless it's an investment. And I don't know enough about investments like that or, you know, to do it. So I never did it, but I probably should have because it would have been really awesome to have. Agreed. But, yeah. Well, what are you going to do? But, yeah, Neat Stuff was, yeah, that that was his early, like, that was like his breakthrough into undergrounds but you know he was already sort of but to get your own comic like that in the fan fanographics style was it was like a bigger format and it had a nice cardboard cover and 
Or no, well, actually, the neat stuffs had paper covers, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, no, they had the glossy papers with the newsprint. It was just black and white. But, I mean, he was, you know, he was getting stuff put into uh, into Weirdo for, for a couple years before yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he originally started out in New Jersey and was doing some stuff for the magazine Punk. And then, uh, you know... Got his way into working with with Crumb. At, we sent some of the stuff over to to Crumb for Weirdo and got that submitted. And eventually started helping and editing the thing. He did, I think, like a dozen or fifteen of those. And then uh, then he finally, did, I think, he was just kind of honing his craft. And what was great about Neat Stuff was is that he just had a whole bullpen of all those different characters. Yeah, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that's where hate comics started because the Bradley family was in in neat stuff, and they were, they were definitely the most popular. That you know, that's why they probably became neat stuff because, you could tell he he was, he was really into those stories. More the other stories would almost be farces. You know, they would be more comical. Were the Bradley? Were, were the Bra- I don't. I mean. Don't mean comical as in funny, but I mean comical, comical as in comic booky. You know, right. ga- gag stories and stuff like that. With you know, we're we're in the last frame. You would see the peop- the person's you know legs going up in the air as they flip backwards. You know, in that sort of comic book. Oh my god! But the the Bradley stories, while being exaggerated and crazy, were slices of life. You know, they were definitely. You could tell they were called from his background and well they were pretty autobiographical with and, buddy being him of course and it was like one of the first great portrayals and this is this is a th- this is what I was going to say earlier but I didn't want to get ahead of myself is Peter Bag is often associated with Daniel Klaus who did 8 ball and they used to do like the hate ball tour and right. they, they, they seem to be buddy. They were, they were both sort of on the same plateau of, of those indie comics in the nineties, but they were completely different, completely different, but they get lumped together so much. And I think that's unfair to Peter bag because Daniel Cla- I love Daniel Klaus. Maybe we should actually do Daniel Klaus next just because we're doing Peter bag this time. But, um, He's more of that what ordinary comic readers kind of hate in indie comics if you don't like Daniel Snootiness. Klaus. There's a snootiness. Of a, it's a very artsy kind of sophisticated. It's artsy, but at the same time, it's kind of gross out and stuff. But yeah, it's very, right. it's very, you know, art schooly kind of. Art you know, confidential, in, intellectual, and right, and but you know he was he was more goofy than most of the other intellectual stuff. But as he as Eight Ball went along until the like towards the end of Eight Ball and the stuff he's done since has been very moody and I mean Ghost World is based on his, but you know and and that it's turns all, off it's a, almost to the point where it's become a parody of his earlier stuff. Right, right. And a lot of people associate him with Peter Bag and it puts a negative stank on Peter Bag as being that kind of of uh writer and artist and he's not you know, that's the thing is when you're saying he like epitomized the grunge thing, he sort of did, but at the same time he was spearing it just 
dra- oh, dragging it through the dirt. You know, hipsters. Hipsters get just creamed in, in Peter Bag stories. And people are like, I don't want to read this grunge shit. And it's like, no, you do, because you if you hate grunge, you get to see these people just like... And, and what I loved is Buddy Bradley is the, the main character I hate is this just despicable character. But he's so much more likable than all the hipsters and, you know, people around uh, him. And he he gets, gets better as he gets older. He turns into the everyman. Yeah, but even when he's completely like... When he was younger, I mean, especially but, when he was a teen, I mean... When, when he's young and crazy and really sleazy and slimy. Even, and an alcoholic. And, and an alcoholic. But at the same time, he still has... He's written... You know, all these characters are drawn like cartoony style, but they start getting shaded in, and he starts getting shaded in enough to where you start seeing his motivations like that, and you start seeing the function of this dysfunctional family and his dysfunctional relationship with his girlfriend. And it sounds, it doesn't sound good the way I'm describing it, because the bottom line is, hate comics are anything Peter Bag does is almost bottom line is hilarious. You know, it's just, you know, it's right. it's usually just fall down laughing. But at the same time, his characters will say something or or put their perspective. It you know, he has a one character in hate as it goes on who becomes Buddy's partner in um in a in a junks you know a, Jay, a collectible Jay. store Jay who's a total junkie and. Yeah. You know, and you're ready to, as soon as you find out this guy's a junkie, you're just ready to write him off, you know, and Buddy's ready to write him off. Oh, he's just a fucking junkie, you know. But then, you know, you start seeing, you know, how, you know, the Jay's living with it, and, you know, it's it's a more shaded situation. So, you know, you, you, you by the a few issues later, you feel sympathy for him, and you sort of accept it. It's right. it's it's a It's just incredibly well written and uh, I don't think he planned it to be as good as it got I think he just got into it and it started going where it was going and um, that's what that's why I favor hate a little bit more than the neat stuff although for fun neat stuffs can't be beat well, they're just, you know, the neat they're stuff just a was fun, still, fun he was still well, you know, messing around with the format and characters and he was doing a lot of exploring in a lot of different directions, you know. I well, mean, um, what, 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 I Bunny, through, Bunny, I and um, all the, yeah, Bunny and Chet Leeway was one of those. They were, they were, they were like his most shaded stuff in that time. And um, what was the loudmouth radio guy's name? Oh, um, you know who I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about. Um, uh, bah, 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 bah. I can picture him in my head, but. He, I know. You know, he had a loud mouth, you know, I believe he was like a right right wing radio talk show host. And uh it, you know, it was those were great too. But they were they they Studs were more Kirby. Studs Kirby. Yes. I can't believe that we 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 should like just completely erase that last minute. If we're going to do a Peter Bag podcast, we need to have Studs Kirby off the top of our head instead <laughs> well, of trying to look for it on a sheet of paper. This, 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 so golly. many characters. You know, you know how we, you, you know how we roll. 
Yeah, man. Ain't no Wikipedia up on my browser right now, man. I'm rolling no, off the but, top you know, of my I head. Did, I, I, I will admit I did go on Wikipedia. and I, I did I... too. <laughs> but, you know, just, just to sort of check my note, you know, check my notes and remind me. If I didn't go on Wikipedia, I wouldn't have found out that Peter, Peter Bag did a Hulk comic. Which right. you own, which at the be- before we started recording, you were showing me the copies of that. He did. And a- I did flip through it, and I had the same reaction as I did <laughs> when it came out. It was like, for one, it's like a twelve-page story, maybe sixteen, spread across three issues, and it's like five bucks an issue, and it took it forever to come out. This is very frustrating. The story was like it was okay. I like the I like the one shot he did better. Sounds sounds like the one shot of the Spider Man comic that he did was a lot better. It was, and that was the reason why the Incorrigible Hulk was not originally released. And they were just like, "Ah, oh, we'll put this out. We'll really get our money's worth out of it." You would think, though, Peter Bag doing the Hulk would be just <laughs> over the top. Oh, it's awesome. funny. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Hulk smashes all right. He smashes everybody and everything, and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he ends up getting hooked up with this punker and uh, of course, Bruce it, Banner and you know. I, I, I all I gotta say for people is the the megalomaniacal Spider-Man is worth looking up and 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 reading. It's a it's a fun read. Uh, it's a lot of psychodrama between Spider-Man and J. Jonah Jameson, and J. Jonah Jameson ends up donning the Spider-Man suit. So it's 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 a riot. Yeah, I, I think, you know, in the annals of, of, of Marvel maniacs, a, a lot of the mainstream guys like it, too, because it is so funny. I mean, it's great. It's just a funny book. Well, the thing about Peter Bag is, you know, with, with hate, hate was like hate was like the big they were going to make it, to, you know, there were ovations of having it made into a cartoon show and stuff like that. And there was MTV a lot of mer- MTV that. and merchandising and stuff like that. But then, like, post, like, hate ended. He actually ended it, you know. He, he actually had a last issue. And then he, he puts out an annual every year to just, like, catches you up with the characters, which are always great. Mm-hmm. Then he went into this, you know, into his, like, modern phase where he's been doing stuff for Marvel and DC and Dark Horse, you know, he's got a right. new one out he's in Dark Horse. Right, got Dark House. It just came out this week. I can't, we should have brought that one up too, I guess. Is number two out? That's right, you got number two. I gotta go get it that. just came out, yeah. That, that, that's a really good comic. Um, but, uh, you know, he did, he he came out with what, during in, during the time when the first couple annuals came out, he came out with one called Spice Capades. Do you have Spice Capades? No. Oh, it's got to get. That's one of the few I don't have. It's his tribute to the Spice Girls. And you find out that Peter Bag loves the Spice. I mean, the thing about Peter Bag is everybody thinks he's like this hipster sort of guy. He loves pop culture. He's not. He's like, I don't sneer on stuff that's like the Spice Girls and stuff. He kind of. Well, after that. Enjoys it. I mean, that was that. What was it like an eight page article he wrote about the Beach Boys. Yeah, yeah, he loves the Beach Boys. He did a whole series of, of cartoon strips about Brian, you know, the, the the Wilson Boys' father basically, you know, torturing them in the he, studio. He, he, I mean, he went on for like three pages about why Mike Love really wasn't that bad and why he wasn't the 
worst thing with the Beach Boys, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. yeah. And and so it's it's just really interesting. When that ca comic came out, it was great. It actually made me gave me an appreciation for the Spice Girls, which is uh, kind of hard hard to do. But you know, and then he did um um a weird little series that only lasted like five or six issues called Sweatshop. Right, that was on DC Comics. Yeah, and that was about like this guy who basically did a sort of daily Garfield-like strip and all the people who worked for him basically writing and drawing it for him. And he's an overbearing sob. And that was really good. Uh, and then he did Yeah, which lasted a lot longer. And um, With uh, the, one of the Hernandez brothers. Right. And that was really good. Totally aimed at little girls. He has little girls, so... You know, that's probably what's influencing that. But it was like, it was like, uh, it was fun for Peter Bag and Hernandez Brothers fans, but it was definitely made for kids. Right. And it was just very interesting to see a Peter Bag comic without sex, drugs, swearing. Yeah. That, general that rudeness. <laughs> exactly. That, that one kind of, I mean, I got him and I, I kind of plowed through him, but. You know, I liked them. They were, you know, they had that surreal Hernandez aspect to them, and that the the Peter Bag goofiness to them. But they're just a very, very, very strange, very strange dynamic to them. Probably right. little then, girls would love it. And then after that, he did uh, Apocalypse Nerd, which I the, haven't read, but you highly recommend. It, right? Yeah, that one, that one takes you back. <laughs> It is like 180 degrees opposite of, yeah, and the fact that essentially these two guys um, decided that they live up in Seattle up by Puget decided to go on uh, on a trip. They live up in the Puget Sound, so they're going to go up into the up into the woods. And uh, these two guys, Perry and Gordo, all of a sudden they hear that Taiwan drops a bomb on Seattle. And they're telling him not to panic, and uh, it just turns into the wild he, of course, frontier panics. west. Right. Well, the whole the whole state does, and you know it's just it's brutal. It is absolutely brutal. These guys having to survive, and uh, he pulls. I mean, the first one alone, he's like covered with deer innards. Perry is at the end <laughs> of the episode. Yeah. He's just like, what does this come to? <laughs> and then all the backup stories are really cool. He, the other thing about Bag that's really funny is that he's really into like colonial history, and uh, he has a whole bunch of short like anecdotal stories. You yes, know, four to six pages long about like about events, like the the real details that historians know about. Um, as far as, you know, from colonial times and Alexander Hamilton and Benjamin Franklin and all those guys, it's, it's really, yeah, it's kind of humanizing moments and yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's, I mean, it's, what was the name of the hardcover that he came out with recently? Was it like other lives, right? That... Other lives. And then the new one is, uh, what's it called again? Reset. Reset. And uh, what did you think of number one? Did you read that? Yes, I liked it. Um, 
it's seeming to go in like a twilight zone direction it seems to be set you know it's it's setting up a like you know things are not as they appear you know with whatever it's it's a character who's a a stand-up comic and he's he and ends up going to like the classes that they would send a drunk driver to but he's there for road rage and um these scientists approach him figure and they have some sort of machine that will play back your entire life for you and you can, you know, relive your entire life and react to it. And they don't really tell him they're telling him they're testing it and they want him as a he's a perfect test subject. And uh so while he's reliving his life, he can hit a uh, a button to stop to reset it if he doesn't want to go on. And in the first issue, it's so frustrating because he doesn't get past the first, like, five seconds of where they start off his life, you know, his high school graduation. Right, exactly. He he can't even, he's so neurotic that he can't get past five seconds of it without stopping it and questioning what's going on and how they did it and, and you know, why this and why that. And, and uh it's you know once again it's peter bag so it's it's highly comedic and the character is once again his classic sort of outspoken grumpy you know opinionated is a comic you know he's your standard kind of cynical um you know maybe he's probably one of a more adult like dennis leary you know style comic is is sort of how you get the idea of it, and, and on the on the decline, <laughs> he's, yeah, had, well, he's had he's had moderate, you know, uh, a level of moderate success, and now he's you know now he can't get work. He's 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 eating his uh, his lion's share of humble pie at this point. Yes, yes, and uh, and you start to learn by the end of the first issue that you know. What's you know? It might not be exactly you know a bunch of science. There there might be more to their motivations for for doing that. And not and it doesn't seem sinister. It's probably going to be in just some bizarre Peter Bag reveal at some point. But I'm look. I I'm always happy when he comes out with something new. And and it's always you never know what it's going to be. You never know what the storyline's going to be. You never know what the subject matter's going to be. I love it. Yeah, he just kind of keeps you on your toes, which is great. And... Yeah, the other the other lives one was a real like examination of people's lives on the you know how people act on the internet and uh, and just general unhealthy obsessiveness. <laughs> What's wrong with a little unhealthy obsessiveness? And and it ends with a it has a kind of a shocking ending to it or a you know an intense ending to it. What I love about Peter Bag is he has situations where you know people get killed in in a serious scene, but it's this cartoon style. So say you know if in in, in where a character like say takes a bullet to the head, it's like you know it's like that cartoon style with with like you know a line through their head with the bullet you know and a couple little drips of like cartoony blood yeah but it's kind like of, a kind of warner brother looney toony like yeah but somebody's really dead you know it reminds me of ralph bashke's cartoons were sort of like that you know where you'd have that that intense disney warner brothers level of animation but like horrible things happening so you know he plays he plays that cartooniness 
you know, as cartooniness, but then sometimes reality intrudes into it, and that's where I think the magic happens. Actually, where I think the real magic of Peter Bag is where a character's explaining themselves. He, he's always just really good at these characters having f these fr frank dialogues. But Well, that's pretty much all of, you know, the first half of Hate Number 1. Yeah, really, it's just sort of the... After all the stuff that went on, there, there's 15 issues of neat stuff, and every third issue was an all-Bradley issue. Mm -hmm. So 3, 6, 9, 12, and 15. And uh, uh, my recommendation, if you're going to read Hate, to, to start with neat stuff number one and just work your way through. That's how I did it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was awesome. Well, then you just... get all the all the Bradley stories, but then you get all the other fun stuff and neat stuff, all the other neat stuff and neat stuff. Exactly. So before we go any further, I think it's about time we uh, whip out our... Uh... Not necessarily I favorite, not necessarily favorite Peter Bag comics, but comics we've picked out for one reason or another. It may be our favorite, or something just indicative of what we think would be a indicative perfect Peter Bag. I don't know. You know, one new special. You I we just want to say indicative. Indicative. <laughs> whip, I want to whip out my indicative issue of hate. Do you want to go first, or you want me to go first? I had to go first last time. You okay. Have, it's your turn this time. Well, mine says on the cover, it's Petey Boy Baggies Hate Number 14. And it shows this skinny, skinny sort of, you know, cartoony, quote-unquote, hot girl walking down the street while Buddy Bradley's walking with his girlfriend who looks like a zombie. And his eyes are goggling out. And the girl walking on the street is his ex-girlfriend looking really hot. And I love this. This is like has every element of hate that I love. It you know it's got him just sort of struggling. He's he goes to the laundromat in the beginning, and of course he's griping about how pathetic he is. And his ex girlfriend is there, and she's looking really hot. And they have a conversation, and she ends up like inviting him over to her house for dinner, you know, as friends. But he's living with his other girlfriend. And so he's got to sort of who's hide a it. Psycho. Who's a psycho? Who's just, yeah, completely off a rocker. But <clears throat> he's going over there just to, he's like, ah, I don't, you know, he's thinking to himself that he doesn't really want to hook up with his old girlfriend because she was off a She was like a dominating, like overbearing person. But, he, but she was looking hot. So he's being shallow. He's like, I'm going to go over there. And, you know, he's cleaning up and stuff and, but he tells his girlfriend he's going out and he ends up going to her house and the, and she's like basically I think she was the the story was she's sleeping with her college professor or or her boss at the literary house she worked at and he's out of town so she's got his apartment and she's there with all his hipster friend and his friends and his housekeeper and all there's you know Basically, Peter Bag puts one type of every insufferable his hipster at the table, and she basically brings him over because she knows he's just going to rip these people apart, and she's kind of sick of them, so she just wants to basically stir the pot. You know, there's like these two guys there that have Beatles haircuts and dress like 60s style, and 
and uh, you know they ask him what kind of music he likes. He goes, eh, you know, I really like the Beatles, and they they start snickering, and they're and and he's like, yeah, what do you mean the Beatles? You guys look like the Beatles, you know, and you're you're mocking me because I'm saying I'm like the Beatles. Why? Because you're into something more, you know. He just basically tears them apart to their face, and and of course goes through everybody at the table and just one by one and there's like this kind of like pudgy girl there and she's giggling at everything and by the end he's just like what are you laughing at you know and and that the, he and he ends up in the kitchen making out with his ex-girlfriend while the the housekeepers are like whacked out on the ground on heroin and he he's just like fuck this shit this is too messed up he leaves comes home and gets in a fight with his girlfriend who found out that where he'd been so they get in a big fight and then the kicker and the whole um, issue which doesn't really make sense to anybody who hasn't read hate but his his quote unquote best friend before he moved to Seattle is this guy named Stinky or Leonard but his nickname Stinky Stinky just the biggest he is the biggest asshole in the world he's a truly just like unrepentedly asshole character he is su- he is such a 90s nine he is everything about those the uh, 90s grunge singer asshole types annoying hipster types uh-huh and you know everyone and he got left behind in new jersey when when buddy moves to seattle so but every once in a while at the end of a hate you would see a little stinky story just to see what kind of hijinks stinky was up to so here at the end of this you're like oh okay stinky's got you know a little story awesome we get to find it and it's like sort of a little adventure where stinky's like I want to be a drummer for a band, but he doesn't know how to play drums, but he's going to go try out for a band. And it was it's this all-girl punk rock band, and he goes to play drums, and they're like, you, you know, you really, do you really know how to play drums? Because you kind of suck. And he's just like, you guys just don't understand my spirit, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And he eventually gets them fighting amongst themselves. And I love it. When they start fighting, like one girl's like, oh, yeah, bitch, and grabs the girl's face and literally rips her face off, like just like half her face, like rips. And the other one's like, oh, yeah, and like, you know, pulls her head off her shoulders, you know. So it's just completely over the top. So you're thinking, okay, it's just another goofy, stinky story. But at the end of the story, he finagles a ride to Seattle, and and that's when... And so this is what number fourteen. So right. by this time you're just just like, oh my god, Stinky's coming to Seattle, and that's, and that is really like the point in hate comics where the shit hits a fan. Is once once Stinky gets to Seattle, it just turns Buddy Bradley's life, you know, to shit, and in a in hilarious, hilarious ways. Yep. Well, and then. Um... But there's like there's thirty of the original series. There's thirty issues, and I think it's what fifteen or sixteen when they do color. That's like right near the halfway point, and it's it's definitely not in the in fifteen because I was I was looking through fifteen after. Yeah, this. I think it's starting with number sixteen is when he does the color, and then he starts getting some help on the inking, mm-hmm. and there's a definite. You know, it's just different. So of course you're gonna have produced people... faster. It's not as detailed, right. and it's in color. It's on glossy paper. It just it, and it had um, it had a lot of backup stories, 
which some people were not happy with, but I, but the, they were awesome, but the people he picked. Yeah. That's, you know, he was having Rick Alter got doofus stories in the back of it. You know, you can't exactly. beat that, you know, Johnny Ryan and yeah, you know, so it was, you know, I had no complaints. That was like a bonus because the comics weren't any shorter. I don't think he cut down the pages, but there, you know, there were a lot of issues with hate. Once hate started getting big, there were a lot of issues with production, you know, he's it's it, with the indie guys, it'll take them for, you know, sometimes so when you look at the timelines of when hate came out, sometimes there'd be two issues in a year, you know, and towards the end, he was, you know, once it got going, he was like, we want to get it coming out every month. And so, the, you know, you had to start running it like an actual comic book, you know. Yeah, and you know, by that point, I'm you know, things in his life were changing. Where, you know, he was married and he had a family, and having to do all this stuff with, you know, getting the product out there and doing the tours and pressing palms and not that I'm making it. You could, you could, no, you could totally see it happen when they were coming out. You could totally see it coming. You could hear the thing about these guys that do the, you know, these. These under these underground artists is they're pretty transparent. They don't, you know, they you, you know there'll be a letter section at the end of their comics where they tell you exactly how they feel. You know, I'm getting sick of doing this comic. You know, <laughs> I'm getting to the point where you know he would always say, "Well, we're doing this, and people hate that I have an inker and stuff like that." But screw you, I want to get the comic out, and if I'm going to tell the story, this is how I'm going to, you know. So there's never any mystery as to why they're doing it or, or what what the idea behind it is because these guys are so introspective that you just all you have to do is go to the back and they'll tell you exactly, and and you could almost read the writing on the wall with hate. You know he would say like, I'm running out of stories that I want to tell with a young buddy Bradley. So now when you have the hate at annuals, it's an older, you know, wiser buddy. Bra- buddy bradley you know it's a it it's definitely he's not peter bag anymore he's he's become his own entity you know he's living in a junkyard now yeah which is like his hat which is like you know it's funny these characters have almost found their heaven you know at, at one point well actually in the last annual yeah things went downhill well, but especially for Lisa. For Lisa, you know, one, they they got to a point where they're like, you know what, life is good, and then it's like, ah, I hate comics. <laughs> Here it comes, and then and and it looks like they're setting up a whole Lisa and her dysfunctional family story. So, which which you've been waiting on for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, of course. <clears throat> the, the annual can't come out soon enough, in my opinion. Well, the, that's the thing is, like, when, I, you know, it was one of those things of, like, you would get little bits and pieces about what her parents were like, you know, a mention here or there, but it was definitely one of those, like, I don't talk about my parents type things. So you never really knew what what made her, she, you know, I mean, she was bull goose loony crazy character <laughs> in in this comic. So you're just like, what it, what is her family like? So... Yeah, and you get a taste of it in that one annual, you know. But you, you get a taste of what her family's like, but then at the end of it, she's going off to live with them. And it's you're to stay with them for a little while to sort family problems out. And it's just like, basically the cover was a rip on that dra- Drag Me to Hell movie. 
you know, with her getting dragged into the under the ground by demons and and stuff right. like that. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but I think you're right. So what's your pee bag comic? What's your pee bag pick? My pee bag pick is Neat Stuff number three. And this is uh I don't know. I I, I, I you know, like I always do, I always think long and hard about what I thought really kind of epitomized, you know, Peter Bag. And what what I love about this comic is is that really I think with number three I Is mean, it indicative? Um Yeah, I would say so of of, of early Peter Bag, yes. Is it really, really indicative? <laughs> well, let me tell you what I really, really want. Um, but what I love about it is, is that it's, you know, in the first, I, I was flipping through the first two issues, and there's a lot of stuff in there, you know, uh, just all sorts of assortments of, of stuff, but you could really tell that he was experimenting. But with this one, it's like the first time I think in what turned into a long history of, of successful comics of his where he, he kind of hit, it was like, this was the one where he really hit that level where he got a bunch of characters that were all really strong and um, they all have their own stories in this one and um, they all have their own voice and it's, it's cool. It starts off with, uh, with girly girl and girly girl is, uh, she's just this disgusting girl character. I mean, a lot of people have described you know, Peter Bagg's style is kind of like that Warner Brothers is super exaggerated. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, this one's definitely got some some Ed Big Daddy Roth to it as well. Yes. Like, oh, I, yeah. I mean, those are probably the two closest that resemble. She's kind of like a Woody Woodpecker where she just basically is out to just screw everybody else and laugh at them. Exactly. I mean, just even on the splash page, it's like she's nutsy. She's girly girl. Yeah, she she just treats everybody I, I, terribly. Exactly, and even with the he yuck. Which yeah. now, which story is this? Is uh, this maybe? Uh, I wonder. Is this the one where she videotapes Chucky Boy singing? Yes. Yes, yes. that's my favorite girly girl story <laughs> of all time. So she sees Chucky Boy sitting there. <laughs> singing along to the single We Are the World. And Chucky Boy is this little like kind of Linus-y character with this as the hetero right. heteroforementioned snail nose and like a stocking cap and, and a he's bad just like sweater. he's like obviously like the that wimpy little butters like kid, you know. And uh, yeah, and he's singing We Are the World and you got to see the Peter Bag style because he's like got weepy face, you know, he draws that like weepy face that people get when they're singing like really heartfelt music and they don't think anybody's watching him. Right. That's beautiful. <laughs> so she goes to get, so girly girl goes to get her video camera and she comes back and he's like busy watching cl- uh, cartoons. So she decides that she's going to trick him. And uh, tell them that they're going to have a lip sync contest. And so they go to do the lip sync contest. And uh, she puts the camera down. And so she goes to sing a song. And she does A Private Dancer by Tina Turner. Well, the men come in these places. And the men are all the same. You don't 
And Chucky Boy videotapes it. <laughs> and then she comes back and realizes that the tape is gone. And she ends up getting together with uh, with him again. And there was a surprise party. And Chucky Boy plays the video of her lip-syncing the Private Dancer by Tina Turner. And, of course, she kicks the shit out of everybody in the room. And that's the end of the story. Well, that's a running... Like, the, the cover of this album is Buddy Bradley's... The sister Babs in her room with like her Walkman on, you know, pretending to be a solid gold dancer. No, no, she's got her boombox going, or like her stereo going. She's playing Super Freak. Exactly. And and dancing to it and picturing herself as a solid gold dancer. Right. And so there's, yeah, so it's like the running theme in this issue. Yeah, I love this issue too. Even the uh, even the ads are great in this one. It's got the the one with uh, Drew Friedman and his uh, anything similar anything any similarity to persons living or dead mm-hmm. with like Tor Johnson like the... right. It's just insane. It's just like great piece you know pieces time pieces. And then the next one is Studs Kirby and his musical dilemma of him trying to figure out. You know, who's his favorite? Is it still Doris Day or is it Brenda Lee? And he's sitting there contemplating it. And I love this style and this format because it's, you know, with the magazine format, the nine panels per page works out really well. It's not too small. It's the right size, you know, for the, for the nine panel standard page. And then he decides to go out to a bar and uh, get shit faced and runs into some of his friends out there. And they start giving him a hard time because he started bemoaning about the fact who he couldn't decide as who his favorite singer was, Doris Day or Brenda Lee. You got to see this guy. And he's another one with the nose, but his nose is different because it's it's triangular on the bottom and in the middle, but the top is just like this wavy line like he's got a broken nose or a roman nose well he'll give people literally noses that looks like look like buttons and then he'll give people these insane beak honkers what was uh bab's eventual husband oh yeah the greaser guy had like this like you know it looked like an antler sort of you know just an insanely huge beak of a nose yeah and then of course he like he decides to run out and leave because he's so pissed off at everyone. <laughs> and they make a comment and he comes back and he comes running through the door and just punches the guy out. <laughs> there's, a, just... there's a lot of punching out in Peter Bag. <laughs> a lot of punching in the nose. Yep. And then he has the Chet and Bunny Leeway. I mean, that's this was like the first appearance of those two. They didn't even have names at the time. And it's cool because he ended up having a contest to have people name them for him. And they're just this this couple this that are just complete hipsters and hey guy, what you up to? Oh, you know, I'm just doing such and such, honey. It's just I love when Bag does that, you know, it's just very it's it's like a parody of television with like this yeah. with his with his characters. And that's just a one pager. But one of the other things I like about this one is that he'll ha- he'll go into like these sections where they're just kind of free form where he'll like take music and stuff like that 
And this one, he's got a couple of them here. One's uh, My Baby Said Yeah. And the other one's Do You Know Where It's At? And uh, kind of like a modern, more modern version of, of what Crumb was doing yeah. in some of his stuff, you know? That's exactly what I was going to say in, in the early days. And, and uh, Gilbert Shelton liked to do that, too. Like, you know, yeah. they, would, they would take a folk song and, and just sort of draw it out. Um, oh, what's his name? <laughs> ah, why can't I remember his name? The 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 remember the mini comic with the with the cheesecake woman on it that you gave me? Who is that? Oh yeah, J J R Williams. J R Williams. Uh <laughs> J R Williams did, I know, I know it's uh, yeah. J R Williams did a wonderful Insert sound effect here. <laughs> um two two live crew. Right. Series of those where he would illustrate two live crew lyrics which <laughs> How can you go wrong with that? And they were they were out of this world, politically incorrect, awesome. So he's got like four pages, and they're just beautifully rendered, and they're even more frantic than the Studs Kirby story. You know, I mean, they're just like wild, and they just really pop off the the page. Where he's got this one guy is like, "Hey, everybody's a star." It's got this super hipster guy with like a super kiss rock star outfit with stars in his eyes. He's like, think about it. And it's just, you know, his lettering is so awesome too. You know, it's just everything about it. He definitely has his own certain way of lettering. Mm -hmm. It's like his own font. Yes. You know, and then he goes into all these different people and different styles from the different 70s. It's pretty funny. And then uh, I, I never thought that about that that way that he had his own font, but you're totally right. Completely, and uh, so you go through that whole section, and then there's this weird little one-page thing right before the end of the the the, the, the climactic Bradley story, <laughs> the many moods and mental disorders of Zoov Gruber. <laughs> The, it's funny because it's just the first little blip and it's just this complete non sequitur and they go into Zoov much more in uh, a later need stuff it's either number three or number I mean number four or number five that's I the think. one that's more like a behind the music sort of yeah thing. they do the behind the music and he's just completely like made up you know pop singer washed out pop singer yeah well but it, you know originally just this this pop singer and he's the hipster i mean he's zoov groover i mean it's just the parodies of you know the glenn campbells and and all those guys you know what i mean mm -hmm. and this one's just a one pager and it's like the back of a of a of a, of a vinyl record and it just <laughs> yeah that's that's the one where he sort of doesn't he sort of look like Neil Young mixed with Glenn Campbell, sort of. Yeah, well, he's definitely getting he's the male pattern ball. It's yeah. his comeback record. It's his comeback record after he, being down for so long. And yeah, he's got they, sort of that balding greaser look to him. Right, and originally uh, he was like a 60s hipster guy, kind of like, uh, oh, you know, like a Paul Anka or a Johnny Mathis or something like that in that sort of realm. And then... You know, just a, a trail of drugs and alcohol that... And, and the, musical missteps. 
Right, and getting screwed over by everybody and, you know, going completely broke. And then he met, you know, he met a, his soulmate and she's like this super religious chick and and all that stuff. Oh, so. that's right. <laughs> and she helps him on his comeback and he's got a Christian slant about him now. And <laughs> Zoov Groover, that to me was like one of the, you know, one of those nuggets that you just find. It's just like a, I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely a, it's a, a good, silly name. Exactly. And then the the Bradleys one is great because this is the one that really gets gets it with, with Buddy started in his music thing. And this is actually where he meets Jay for the first time, I think, at that record store. And he it's so funny looking at this Jay versus versus the Jay now. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's you know, he's like the tall, scary, gawky guy with like the jet black hair and he always like has kind of like a Freddy Krueger sweater on, too. Sort yeah. of looking thing. Well, this one, he's like completely gothed out. Oh, okay. So that's kind of funny. And, you know, he's... Buddy goes... You know, he's talking with his buddy there. Uh, I think it was a Tom. I think it's Tom. But he's Tom, talking the guy to. who became a cop, right? Right. Right. And, uh... So anyways... They decided he was talking about the Yardbirds record. So Buddy goes up to the record store and he's just like kind of checking it out. And then Jay comes up to him and, you know, started telling him about all sorts of cool stuff. But then, uh, of course, his you know, buddy who there is with him decides he wants to buy a Duran Duran record. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's like, you like those guys? And he's just like, yeah, Duran Duran. <laughs> so they come home and. They go to play the record, and of course, Butch is there, and he kicks the shit out of his little brother for a little while so that he'll leave. They can listen to the record, and they start fighting back and forth, and then all of a sudden, Babs comes out of the woodwork, and, you know, she's like the 14-year-old train wreck of a girl who's just completely, she looks like almost like a mutant. And doesn't she, like, kind of have a crush on Tom, so she's yeah, sort of like, hi, uh, Tom. Yeah. Exactly. She's like, ooh, Duran Duran. He's like, oh, you like Duran, Babs? <laughs> she's like, yeah, sure, they're cute. And, of course, Buddy can't stand it. He just wants to, just wants to listen to his record and, you know, something where Buddy and Babs get into it because he wants her to get out and... Next thing you know, she flips out on him for making her look bad, and she punches him, and he chases after her, and <laughs> as good as it gets. Total real family drama. I love it. It's like it's like a real real. It's funny because they are a dysfunctional family, but a lot of their stuff is stuff that doesn't really. It just happens in normal families too, you know. Right, and of course, you know, Buddy's just aching for. Ultimately, all he ever wants to do is just be alone. Yes, he just wants to listen to music or do whatever he's doing and and just so yeah, and there's always there's always just like one element or person there who's going to ruin it for him. And what's funny though is, you know, a lot of but a lot of what buddy gets is karma too cuz like you said he abuses his little brother for and his little brother's just a little snot-nosed brat in this. But right. as hate as hate goes on, his brother starts showing up as, you know, out of the out of the Marines, <laughs> you know, right, and, and a lot bigger and tougher, oh, bigger and you know able to able to kick Buddy's ass, and but still 
stupid as hell. <laughs> stupid yeah. as hell and annoying and and uh, uh, a liability and the it's proverbial box of rocks, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because right after this is a junior comic, and I think Butch kind of takes on a lot of that junior quality. Yes. So, of course, Buddy gets in a fight with his buddy Tom, and Tom runs out, and then his dad shows up, and his father, who's freaking hilarious. His father is one of the greatest characters ever. I, I love it. He, another one that starts out as being a total bastard, and you start warming up to the guy after a while, you know? Right. It's kind of weird how he kind of killed him off, though. That was almost, dare I say, inexplicable. That one literally ended, like I said before, with all the characters, you know, doing the comic book fall backwards with just their legs, you know, up in the air, sticking out of the frame, you know. Right. That's how that one ended. It was just like, Grrr. well, that one was just an exercise in irony, you know, of and I don't want to give away what the how 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 Buddy's dad bites it, but it's totally set, you know, it's totally set up in a different direction. And yeah. But I love so, stuff like that. That's that's one of the things I loved about it. You know, he was constantly throwing you a curveball. So this one ends with Buddy coming back home for another time. He decides, uh, instead of sticking around for dinner, goes downtown and picks up the Yardbird record, which is actually much cheaper, and then runs into that guy again and then sees that it's four hours later and it's raining because we've never all done that. <laughs> and he comes home. And his mother's waiting for him. And his mother, another great character, she's like, <laughs> you know, you, you give her a pass. You know, she's a little, she, she's a little loopy at times, but with that family and, you know, her husband the way that he is, and she's just trying to be a... She's just trying know, to muscle through it, yeah. Muscle through and raise a good Catholic family. That's all she wants to do. And uh, she catches him, and she's all pissed off because he went... Through, but he went through his dad's records and left them out, and they get in a big fight. <laughs> and it ends with him like screaming at the top of his lungs about he hates his family, he hates everybody, life waving sucks. his arms in his in the air, and right. Yeah. <laughs> and then he kicks his brother out of the room and puts on his headphones like, yeah, but the music's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, hey, this is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. If 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 for anything the girly girl story, that's one of my favorite is like just, you know, her looking in the window and seeing him singing I We Are the World and just going, "Oh my god, he's make, you know, I'm going to make such an ass out of him." <laughs> what I didn't notice or maybe I just forgot is that this one's actually got a wrap around cover cuz on the back it's got Buddy and Butch laughing their ass yeah. off at their sister. Yeah, doing the, like, knee-slapping laugh. Oh, his brother's on the ground kicking and crying. <laughs> and there's a really hilarious picture of the family in the... <laughs> oh, it was great. I was flipping through the early ones, and, like, in issue number two, they have the, uh, the, 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 the different types of barfing. Did yes. You... Oh, my God. They're... And I was seeing that there's actually at one point they were selling a poster of it. I would love to get that poster. That would be a great poster. Yeah. That would be one you hang up in your bathroom. Yes, that's that's definitely to go in the bathroom. 
I think that's sort of a take on. Remember, Arkham had that poster. Well, Tommy the Toilet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, remember those wipe two. Remember your ass, folks. <laughs> I will someday have that. And the Frank Zappa poster of him sitting on the can. Those are the like great would be great. a great trifecta in your bathroom. Right, and you need a you need a stack of some uh, some Freak Brothers or Fritz the Cats next to the old porcelain throne. Yeah, yeah, or some Fat Freddy. Or like for short trips, some fat collected Fat Freddy's cat. Right. <laughs> well, I think we uh, covered Peter Bag quite pee bag quite nicely. Uh, you know, depends on your perspective, but yeah, we gave it a a good tussle, I'd say. This is this is one of the this is gonna be one of the shows where I I just say to everybody listening, I highly recommend you should go check it out. Don't deny yourself, Peter Bag. You will not be disappointed if you want to like the yeah like like jack said s- start with neat stuff or get like or if you can't you know if you don't want to dig up the neat stuffs you could get get like a collected uh, some the collected bradley's from neat stuff you and you know what you go online that stuff's cheap the collected bradley's oh my god we're talking get, yeah you know, all, all that stuff with shipping is well under ten dollars. Uh huh, and well worth it. And 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 read read the Brad. You know, if you're a great starting point would be the Bradley stories and hate. Right. And then by the time you get through that, you'll be ready for. Well, the know, Bradley stories and neat stuff. You mean? Yeah, yeah. You would. You, yeah, yeah. That if, because to 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 start out with neat stuff would be kind of hard because you would have to. They're harder to dig up than, right? Than but hates. the Bradley stories are all collected in oh, a trade. Yeah, in a, a trade. They're all over the, the place. Yeah, they're all over the place. So, so they're that, and then hate, and the, all the hates are collected too. You know, with and they're with it's cool because titles. they they did them in like they have them now in like two fifteen issue chunks. Ooh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and in in in. Uh, in trade form they're soft cover yeah they're yeah really nice they're really nice i mean you don't get all the additional stuff in the back of the the last 10 issues or so but whatever you get the whole story that's kind of that's kind of yeah weird. i mean really i mean i'm sure you could I, I you see them around all the time yeah so go out there and get yourself some pea bag Amen to that, brother. And there's even new ones coming out right now with that uh, comic reset. Comic uh, called reset, I should say. Yes. Yeah, you, and that's an easy one to catch up with. Just, you, you could get that one probably at the mall. Yeah. Wow. That's funny. <laughs> it's true. Wherever they sell Dark Horse comics. Yeah, they've always been the number three, haven't they? Well, and- at least in the last 20 years, it feels like. They number three. No, Image would be number three, I would guess. Image is doing quite well now with The Walking Dead, though, and Kirkman. You know, I never would have guessed that, though. It's, I mean, I always thought it was good. You know, I thought, like, Frank Cho doing Liberty Meadows. I always thought that was going to be the big thing, but... You Cho never know. Just, no, you don't. You just yeah. can't tell. And you just can't tell what we're going to do next on the funny book underground because we don't even know we might we we might have some uh we might have some uh secret guest action in the works but 
You'll just have to <laughs> tune in next time to find out. But if, if we do get the guest on that that I'm trying to get on, that uh, uh, listener recommended guest, I think it's gonna be a live one. <laughs> but in case nothing happens, I don't 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 hold your breath or get too excited because it might just be me and Johnny. You never know. <laughs> How's that for a recommendation? (laughs) You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please... Use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. 
You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.